and welcome to the BPL Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Laser. I'm here with two very special guests today, Jody Casella and Natalie Richards. Jody is the author of Thin Space and the regional advisor of the Ohio Central slash South chapter of the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And Natalie Richards is the author of One Was Lost and Six Months Later. And I'm really excited to have them today. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having Thanks. us. Yeah. So let's just hop right into it. Um, since you're both writers, can you tell me a little bit about what the actual writing process is like? <laughs> we can. Um, sometimes we wear tiaras and ball gowns because it is very glamorous. Yeah, yeah. Um, generally speaking, though, it, it isn't what most people think of. I would yeah. say one of the first um, things that people tend to not understand about writing is that it is more editing than writing by far. Mm -hmm. I would say 20% of my work is actually drafting a book. 80% of it is cleaning up the very hot mess I have made by writing that book. And I would say there's a lot of talking about it with your critique partner, which coincidentally enough, we are critique partners. This so is true. Yes, we talk every single day. Um, when Natalie is driving to work, we yes. kind of hash over what we're working on and the problems that we're having. And usually there are problems and kind of, you know, try to puff each other up since we're not mm -hmm. always happy about where we are. We're generally not happy about where we are. I think that's the other part of writing. Understated yeah. there. Yeah, that was an understatement. Yeah. Generally, it was more like, "Why am I doing this?" You wake like up I... in the morning and there's a moment of complete despair, self-loathing. You have a crisis. You call your critique partner. You discuss the crisis, whatever's happening politically at the moment. Then you discuss your project. Then you start working out the kinks. I think it's just fighting it every day, coming in fresh the, the every The good day. thing we realize is that usually one of us is up and one of us is down. And so, so I might true. think, I don't know why I'm writing this. And she'll say, oh, no, it's really good. And then another day she'll say, I think I'm going to quit. And I'm like, no, no, don't quit. But recently we were both kind of on the down side, oh. which was not good. So, but bit. we've, we've kind of worked that through and our secret. So this is the secret for all the struggling writers out there is you sit down and you write. That's it is. I know. I, I want I know, you to it sounds state this really? another way, but you actually do have to sit down or stand if you're lucky yeah. enough to have a standing desk or if you're crazy like me and you stand at your counter. You actually have to write to be a writer. Yeah. It Makes is sense. weird. Yeah. yeah. There's a so, lot of gearing up, and then you just do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So would you say... So it sounds like, you know, through this process, mostly you're sharing it with just each other then? Pretty or are there other people? Like, are you getting a lot of opinions and thoughts? Actually, I, I caution against that with new writers. It's really difficult to make sure that you find critique partners that are helpful in building your process as opposed to tearing you in several different directions. Mm -hmm. So at first, you might have a larger group looking at your work. Um, maybe four or five people. Once you hit a certain level where you're published or you're agented and you're very close to publication or you've won some contests, you might be at a place where you understand some fundamentals about the craft, so you're not still building your deck, as it were, but you do need advice each game. So that's, I think, part of what having one critique partner is. Jody understands my voice intrinsically. I don't have to explain certain things that she knows I'll fix later, mm -hmm. and she can spot my weaknesses quicker than a larger group could because she knows my writing very intimately. So she can say, eh, I know you, I know this is gonna squirrel out. Um, and I can do the same thing with her. So I think 
for me, it's actually helpful to have a very small group of people looking at my work. If I have too many cooks in the kitchen, I can just start to agree with everyone, and then everything becomes a very scattered mess. So, Right, and I think that like beginners don't always understand. They write something. You always think that what you're writing is good, or you wouldn't write it. But then there's also this voice in your head that says, this is awful. And I really think you need both of those at the same time. Because that, that awful voice whispering is the one that makes you want to work on it harder. Um, but having a good critique partner, this is a person who kind of knows what the book you're trying to write is. They're not trying to write their own book through yours. You know, mm -hmm. So someone else right. might read something and think, oh, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? And it's frustrating, I think, for beginning writers. Because like, that's not what I'm doing. That would change everything. Whereas when you really know the other person, it's like, OK, I know what you're trying to do. You're not quite doing it yet. Right. But I you know, keep going on this line, and you're going to get there. Or like, I, I can see where this is heading, but you're not, you know, this chapter's not, not doing it or whatever. So right. yeah, definitely. Okay, so there's a certain level of trust and context, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. There is and a so. very large level of trust, <laughs> I would say. Yeah. 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 Okay, that's very interesting. Uh, it's a little different from, uh, you know, like personally being in a band and being a musician, um, sometimes like it's, it is a little bit more collaborative and there are many cooks in the kitchen or voices happening yeah. um, at once. And so, yeah, maybe earlier on in the process, you might have more people looking at it. Oh, as, sure. As yeah. In process, but also there's still a lot of trust there because you're in, it's, mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah. maybe four or five people. Yeah. Two or three right. people in your group. So. Absolutely. So, yeah, there's some parallels there. Yeah. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, though, writers, very, very solitary thing. You know, it's yeah. just you and the page. I mean, you can talk about it all day. Right. But then you're going to sit there and you're going to have to just do it, you know. Mm -hmm. That sitting down and writing thing. It just <laughs> keeps coming back. <laughs> That's right. Arguably the most important part. Yeah. Um, so are you often writing at home? Do you go to a coffee shop, different locales? Oh, Lord. Yeah. Do you want to go with that one well, first? Well, I mean, I, I recently left a job, so I'm writing at home again. And um, kind of going back to what I was doing before I was doing, I was um, working, which is trying to find a place in my house where I can settle myself. I have an office. Um, I ha even have a desk, you know. I don't usually sit in it. Um, I sometimes go to the library and write, because this is the library in my town, and I find that very inspiring, because I walk in and I can smell the books. Mm -hmm. I can see them yeah. on the shelf. I have my little chair there, which hopefully no one is sitting in it. They shouldn't be. And then I can <laughs> kind of chair. settle myself. Yeah, there's my chair. I should have a sign on it, but. You should. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we could do that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that would be Work defacing it, yeah. property or, but I like <laughs> Just it. Just a sticky note. So I am, I am really all over the map when it comes to where I write. Um, I actually, each book tends to write itself in a different way through me, and I have to, it's like a little scavenger hunt. Where can I write you? So the book I'm working on right now, I'm actually working on a middle grade, and I'm working on a young adult. I might be working on an adult soon, too. So I have a few projects. None of them are allowing me to write them at home at all. So that's good times. So right now, um, I've been writing at the Roosevelt. It's a coffee shop downtown mm -hmm. in Columbus, yeah. which I love. So I've been writing there. I've been writing at Stoff's. Um, so I have a couple of coffee shops. I, there was a book that I wrote at Panera. There was a book that I wrote a lot of in my car. Um, sometimes I write on my couch. Sometimes I write in my bed. Like It's very weird. I have never, I have yet to release a book that I've written at a desk in any way which is weird. Mm. There's that. So it sounds a little bit more organic. Like, wherever inspiration strikes, you're... I like organic better than nutty. So yeah, let's go with organic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I think we both write 
um, write on our laptops. Mm. Like we don't yes. handwrite, even though yeah. I did write a book handwriting, handwriting it first because that was the only way I could sort of get past the right the writer's block was to mm. handwrite it out. But yeah, um, I have a very hard time actually even thinking in a writing space if I don't have a keyboard under my fingers. Like even. Gotcha. Even just in general work, I'm like, if, if I have to write in any way, I have to have keyboard under my fingers or it's just too difficult. So it's weird. Okay. Yeah. So Natalie, you mentioned some upcoming projects. Can you, either of you talk about maybe things you're working on now? Yes. Natalie's working on a lot of things, actually. She's, she's <laughs> got like three things going on. But I, I am. Well, what's weird is, you know, we're here at the end of summer, so it's still pretty hot. Um, and I'm working on everything I'm working on is cold in some that's way. That's right. Because I'm working on a middle grade that's set in a cabin uh, where kids are kind of stuck in a cabin and it's very wintry and they're stuck in a yeah. snowstorm. So there's that aspect. I'm working on a YA that ironically, this wasn't at all intentional, is about a girl getting stranded in an airport uh, during a blizzard. I'm like, mm -hmm. how did this really work out? We're hot I don't love summer. snow. I don't, I don't know <laughs> right. what it is. Yeah, <laughs> But it just it randomly, they kind of came together at the same time. And then my third book isn't fleshed out enough to really talk about. Um, but those are the two I'm working on. I just got the green light on my middle grade from my agent, ah, which is the best feeling in the world. So I can finish writing that one. Um, and the YA, I'm, I'm still waiting on word on. So we'll see. But I'm excited. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So I have a YA on submission with my agent that I don't want to talk about because I don't want to jinx it. But it's so good. And <laughs> um, and then the one that I'm working on is actually something I'm reworking, and it's middle grade, and um, I don't know what to say about it. It's been it's been a struggle, probably. Like, do you want to talk about what it's about? Though um, it's, it's about, about a, girl. a it's about a little girl who can break things with her mind, and um, it's so good. And she doesn't like that that power um but she because she's to, not necessarily in control no of that power. she has to figure see, out how to how like why it's happening and how to yeah. you know maybe channel it in a better way okay it's very cool. interesting yeah yeah so jody um since you are the regional advisor of the ohio central south chapter of <laughs> society <laughs> of children's book writers and illustrators made through that one again um can you tell us a little bit about that organization? Yeah. Well, usually we just say SCBWI, so that's easier than Doing that noted. whole mouthful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so SCBWI is an international organization for writers and illustrators at all levels from beginning, never been published, to multiply published, award-winning authors. There's chapters in every state. Um, we have conferences every year. There's awards that go with it. There's help for writers at every level. Um, uh, people mentor each other. There's mm -hmm. critique groups. We have meetings since this region in Ohio covers um, Cincinnati, Columbus, and Dayton. We have monthly meetings in the Cincinnati area and in Columbus area. And I run one of those meetings. We have speakers. We'll have editors come and agents. And it's just a really helpful group because we were saying at the beginning that writing is a really solitary activity and you're mm -hmm. kind of alone when you're first starting. And you know, you don't know what you're doing. You're kind of floundering around. So a right. group like this, I mean, it's the professional organization for writers for children and illustrator for children. So it's like to find each other and kind of help each other out and share information is, it's just crucial, really. Yeah. And absolutely. what I would say is a group like that, um, SCBWI, there are several groups, adult writing groups. There are groups specific to thrillers, mysteries, romance. It's really important if you are a writer to try to find a group. If you really want to take your writing to the next step, that's the first important step to take is to say, okay, 
I'm going to join a group of like-minded individuals, people who are pursuing the same goal. You have no idea how much you don't know until yeah. you join a group like that. And then you start going, oh, I really didn't know anything. Yeah. So it, I think that for me, it certainly made the difference. And that's yeah. one of the reasons I was published is joining a group. So. Yeah. Okay. Me too. I would say me too, which is why I ended up volunteering for them because they, to me, they gave me so much that I wanted to give back to that group. That's amazing. Yeah. So if, you know, in case we have any listeners out there that are interested in joining, how would one so go you, about that? Yeah, so you can just go online and look up scbwi.org. And then well, the, the group will come up. It has all the different regions, you know, all the information about the group. And you don't necessarily have to join immediately. Like, you can kind of, you know, creep on them for a little bit and see what they offer. Then mm-hmm. you can see what your region is. They have a section of regions. You can see wherever right. you live, what's my region, where do I fall, and then you can see what kind of the activities and things they have. Like, for example, there's a Northern Ohio group. They have a conference in Cleveland this weekend that I'm going to. So even though that's not my group, I mean, you can go to any of the activities anywhere um, around the world, really, if you want to. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and, yeah. and people who are not, something that people ask me a lot is, do you have to be a member to come to the meetings? Like, if you do live in the Columbus area, you can come to our meeting. It's usually the fourth Wednesday of the month at the Upper Arlington Public Library. You can come. You don't have to join to come. It's They're always free and open to the public. Okay, good. Yeah, good to know. So from reading the uh, the bios on both of your websites, um, I noticed a common theme of while you're trying to make you know the writing thing happen, um, working odd jobs like restaurants and office work and kind of toiling away. So can you talk a little bit about those glamorous days? It is so glamorous, Jeff. (laughs) Again, that's when I wear my tiara the most, my tiara and sash. Um, So I do work at a small independent library, which I adore. So I I love what I do. I love that what I do pertains to my passion of writing. Mm -hmm. So that's very helpful. But before that, I wrote some incredibly awful things at a paralegal job, I was a medical secretary. I've kind of done the gamut of everything in the executive support area, um, which has always been good for me because it allowed me to free up my brain for creative thinking. Mm -hmm. But it is hard to balance. I have three kids. I work full time. I write. I don't ever sleep. I drink a lot of coffee. That's the answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm always working. But And sometimes that is hard, but that's the reality that I think some people don't understand is very few people who get very far in the writing world think they're doing this because of money, because you're not going to make it. I assure right. you, I have yeah. six books out. <laughs> you are not going to make a ton of money. You're not Stephen King. There's one or two of them, but right. yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you're going to be struggling and juggling, but that's not why you do it. You do it for the beauty of bringing the story to life. Right. Yeah. And I've cobbled together things. I used to be a high school English teacher. Um, I also, like even before that, I used to wait tables. We found out one of the things we had in common is that we both worked at Perkins Restaurant. Very important. Which is, we were polyester princesses. Perkins, (laughs) yeah, it's great for omelets. Um, (laughs) I was trying to do an ad there. Um, But anyway, yeah, I used to be an English teacher. I work, um, I do teaching at the Thurber House part-time when they have have, um, activities for kids, summer camps, and they have winter classes and stuff. So that's another, I guess I can plug them because they're great if you have a child that's interested in writing. Thurber House is great. Yeah, they really have a good program there. Um, So I do stuff for them, and then I also do, like, teach writing classes for adults, and and I also have kids, but they're out of the house now, so that has freed up some time. But yeah, it's not. I there don't is know. Speaking, I forgot about that. I do a lot of yeah, that too, and that is. Speaking. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. That's something else people don't know when you get published. Really, that is part of it is you do a lot of public speaking. So I'm super extroverted, so it doesn't bother me. You know, she's incredible. She's a teacher. We've taught classes together before. But I think for introverted writers, that's a real shock to the system. Mm -hmm. Like, what? I have to stand up and say things to 500 people? Yes, you do. So that's hard. Yeah, yes, especially, like, if you're just, like, getting started getting your feet wet, um, so to speak. Like, no one probably is just going to start caring about your work immediately unless you make them care about it. <laughs> so that unless you're, like... That is very true. Unless you're, you know, you just, you know, have a flash-in-the-pan moment, like you are some amazing, skilled person in your debut book or album or whatever it is. Right. Like, it gets viral or, or whatever. But, yeah, so that, that's a part of, like, the... The creative process or whatever yeah or just being a whether well, it's it's promotion. your hobby or what yeah promotion <laughs> right. that you don't necessarily think yeah. about mm-hmm. and like can definitely be like out of your comfort zone yeah absolutely and I, and I think one of the things that I resisted a lot um before my book came out was people of course ask you like what is it about and I was kind of using the um what is that movie where they build the baseball field in the middle of nowhere field, field of, of dreams. dreams you know like if you build it they will come like if I just give you this book you will read it and I don't have to talk about it or tell you anything and that right. is not true and you really do as a writer have to be able to say preferably in a sentence or less like what is this book and yeah. I used to resist that because I thought, well, I don't want to have to do that. And how do you, how can I take this beautiful, complex thing and, you know, put it down to one sentence? Right. But it's so important because it's how your book gets sold. It's how, it's how you sell it to your agent. It's how the agent sells it to the editor. It's how the editor sells it to the publishing company or to the marketing team and how the marketing team sells it to the bookstore. And then at the bookstore, those booksellers are putting it into the hands of people and that's how they sell it. So you have to be able to say what this book is. And if you don't know, um, I mean, nobody's going to know. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you also have, I think it's a good way to spot a problem, a flaw. This is something I've learned. If I can't create an elevator pitch and that's what we call it, like I should Mm -hmm. be able to tell you in an elevator ride, like very quickly between floors, this is what my book is. If I can't, if I can't do that, I might have a flawed pitch. Like I might have a flawed book to begin with. It should be able to, you should be able to condense something out of it. And if you can't, you probably still need some work on the idea. That comes with practice though. It really does. Cause you ask people like, you know, in my work in SCBWI, beginning writers will come up to me all the time and they'll start telling me about their book and it's rambly all over the place. (laughs) It really is. And because they just haven't thought about it that way. And, and I'm wondering in my head as they're, you know, they're kind of jumping all over the place. Well, there's this person and then, you know, there's there's this this girl and and she's the chosen one. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't know what you're talking about, but that's okay. Actually. I mean, like, I'm not judging that because you have to start somewhere and it really does come with the more you do it, the better you get at it. And that's what joining a group can help you with because they'll teach you. That's one of the things Mm -hmm. I teach is, Hey, let me tell you how to condense your book. Because I didn't know either. Yeah. 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 I think, Jody, what you mentioned about like basically not being above like a genre or classifying something. And, you know, like because, uh, you know, coming from the music world, like someone asks, what kind of music do you play? And then you think like this one type of genre is probably what we play, but it has these negative connotations or whatever. Right. Or like, I don't want them to think we sound like this. And then maybe that is what you sound like. So <laughs> you just have to kind of like own it. Yeah. And also, it's not helpful for them if you like, 
don't really give them a good answer. Mm-hmm. Right. As far as well, and you have to think, where are they going to put your CD? Where are they going to put my book? If I right. say, well, it's a lot of things. It's very <laughs> special. Yeah. Well, you better find the thing it is because like, I got to put that, it somewhere on the shelf. nothing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I see you both have prepared an amazing list of, is it YA and middle grade books mostly? Yeah. Um, like well, I'll, say, I'll say a couple middle grade, and then Natalie can talk about a couple YA maybe. Cool, but, yeah. So one of, one of these, this has been out for um, a few months now. It's called Ghost Boys, and it's by Jewel Parker Rhodes. And this book, I read it um, when it first came out, and it just blew me away. It's, it's about a topic that um, is on a lot of people's minds now. It's a police shooting. And at the beginning of the book, um, a, a little black boy is dead. And he's telling the story. He's dead. And the person who killed him is a white police officer. And the only person who can see this boy, he's a ghost, is the, is the, the, the police officer's daughter. She's the only person who can see him. And she can also see a whole bunch of other ghost boys who are little black boys who've been killed by police officers and by other people. And one of them is Emmett Till who, I don't know if your listeners know who that is, but like look him up. And um, it was a boy that was murdered in the 50s that probably started the civil rights movement when that happened. But um, the book is just amazing. And it's done so well because it's for middle grade, which means it's for eight to 12 year olds. So you think, how can this be done in a way that, I mean, this is a pretty violent and graphic, but that's not on the page as much as the after effects. So I really love that book. And I'm curious to see what it how it does um it's a you know it's a small little book and it's and that's the parker inheritance no it? no that's ghost boys okay yeah that oh, sounds like a really interesting yeah take on that yes i haven't seen anything like that so yeah. that one um and then on a lighter note is a graphic novel which is really big now um it's called be prepared it's by vera Broskel, and it's a little girl who um goes to camp and let's just say she does not like camp um she's she's pretty miserable it's funny but there's a lot of stuff about it's a coming of age and I just started reading graphic novels um as an English teacher I I think I was like a little snooty about them because I'm like oh this isn't real literature but I've learned that um just like any other books um I mean, there's a story there. There's a lot of stuff going on, and like, there's some that that are more literary, and then there's some that are, you know, more fun. And I would never, ever say to a kid, "Don't read that." Like, if they want to read graphic novels, read graphic novels. There's so many good ones coming out, and Be Prepared mm-hmm. is is great. I think the the beauty of Be Prepared to jump in on that is that it is like it's both hysterical and heart wrenching. Like, I really had my heart like just blowing out of my chest at points, but then you would laugh out loud on the very next page. So it's an incredible balance, and I think it captures uh, what it feels like to not fit in in a way that anyone alive can relate to. If you're older than the age of 13, you will keenly remember those moments. It was incredible. I yeah, and this it. woman is really talented, too, because she did the, the, the illustration and the writing, oh, okay. and not all of the graphic novels. A lot of them are written, um, which I should say just really quickly... Um, there's a new memoir called Hey Kiddo, and I'm going to mer- not say this guy's name right, but it's Jerry Krzyzewska, and he did the Lunch Lady series, which some of your viewers might have heard of. It's um, viewers, listeners, whatever. I don't know. Okay, I don't know what the lingo yeah. is. But anyway, um, Hey Kiddo 
is just so brilliant, and it's about this kid and his mom. Um, I mean, the, the well, first of all, the author is known for being kind of a comic um, artist and writer because the lunch lady is funny. It's like a superhero where the lunch lady at the cafeteria, the school ca- cafeteria, is a secret superhero. Um, and she's serving justice while she serves lunch. And it's just nice. funny, and kids <laughs> love these. So, but this is a this is totally different, his memoir, and it was him as a child growing up, and his mom was a drug addict. And so he, he was raised by his grandparents. And it's just really gritty and realistic, and his, like, you know, basically art saved his life because he was he was the kid that was always drawing in the corner, and that was what, like pulled him out of that circumstance. So this book literally just came out like a couple days ago, and I think it's on the list for the National Book Award this year. But it's great. It's called Hey Kiddo, and I oh gosh, I wish I could say the guy's name correctly. But anyway, Jerry Krasowska or something. I'm sure they can. Yeah, I bet yeah. they can. You'll know. We'll figure it out. We have savvy listeners. Yeah, okay. that's right. That's true. <laughs> So I will go into some of the young adult, um, which is teen fiction. If those who aren't, it's YA, young adult, teen fiction. We call it a lot of things. As a note, most YA is actually not even read by teenagers. It's it's about half and half adults and teens. Um, but typically, it does center on the teen experience. Um, so wh- what I want to start with, actually, is sometimes we talk about writers, writers. When you're an author, you talk about the writers that we're all waiting for books from, the ones that we are in awe of as published authors. And two of those are Courtney Summers and Nova Rensuma. They both had books come out just a couple of weeks ago. Um, and On they, the same day. It I was think. incredible, yeah. yeah. And I, they're yeah. both the most lovely women in the world and so brilliantly talented. If they weren't lovely, I would hate them. Absolutely hate them, <laughs> but they're incredible. So the first one is Sadie by Courtney Summers. And this is not an easy read, but might be the most powerful and profound book I've read in a couple of years, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's incredible. Um, and it's called Sadie. It's a gritty, compelling chronicle of a missing girl who is out for justice. It's told partly from the main character's point of view and partly through a podcast. And I know Jody and I both read this book and were really a little shattered by it, honestly. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful and so beautiful. Um, but I think those podcast elements, while at first it's almost an adjustment to make. Okay, you're going from this character's point of view, you're very deep into her skin, and then you're out into a podcast that's in a different timeline. So it's a little jarring at times, but it's also, I think, what makes the book so incredible, because you're seeing it from a couple of different angles. Her publishing company is Macmillan, I think, and they actually created the podcast. Yeah. So it sounds very, very realistic. It's about a girl whose sister is murdered, and she goes on a like kind of like a quest to figure out who did this yeah it's like a vengeance and so, quest but then she disappears too mm-hmm. so like you know that right from the beginning because that's what the podcast is about it's like right. what happened to this girl and oh, so wow. it goes back and forth between these you know people in interviewing you know people in the podcast and then it goes to the girl's point of view what is actually happening and how that's unfolding and it's it's really riveting um and kind of like edge of your seat and necessary horror <laughs> I, th- I think the way to describe it is necessary she's dealing with a very sensitive topic and she does it in a way that is respectful and honest mm-hmm. and it's good um kind of a little different than that is Nova Rensuma's book A Room Away from the Wolves which I'm not completed with yet but is already like every one of Nova Rensuma's books it's like falling into a spell like mm-hmm. she has this Hypnotic. Way, yes, yeah. her voice is hypnotic. You start turning pages, and the next thing you know, you're like, I don't know where I live. What's my name? What's <laughs> happening? This one is uh, centered in a 
all-female New York City boarding house with a lot of creepy elements. Um, some of the reviews say it's full of mood and magic, and I would absolutely agree with that. The thing about Nova's books that I think is incredible is you know from very early pages you are incredibly capable hands, and that's a cool feeling to know. Like, she's got me. This is a storyteller. She knows what she's mm -hmm. doing. So those are two that we are super excited about that just came out. Did you want to talk about things Jolie needs? Because it's yeah. a little lighter yeah, and fun. Yeah, so this is, yeah, this is a break from some of the dark stuff. But Things Jolie Needs to Do Before She Bites It by <laughs> Carrie Winfrey. I This was so unexpectedly fun for me because I um, don't normally pick up books like this. But it's kind of a rom-com for teens. And it's this girl who has this jaw problem, like an underbite. And um, she's very self-conscious about it. And um, she knows that she's going to have surgery to, like, break her jaw and reset it. And she makes a, a bucket list of things that she's going to do. So these are the things she's going to do before she bites it. And But she's afraid of the surgery because her mom and sister are obsessed with watching these medical shows where really bad things happen to people. Like, you know, they like the wrong leg comes off or something. So <laughs> she, she makes this bucket list of things she needs to do. And they're silly things, like eat everything off the Applebee's menu and, like, just... You know, kiss a boy, but she's never kissed a boy because she was always so self-conscious. But I was laughing out loud reading this book, and I just, I mean, I just loved it. It was very refreshing, very fun, um, and it had a really nice message about, like, I don't know, like, not trying to give it away, but obviously this girl, a lot of how she feels about herself is in her own head. She's not as hideous as what she thinks, and, you know, this surgery is not going to make her have magical self-esteem that you know, that's going to have to come from somewhere else. But I loved that. I think it, it's a great, um, like this would be, you know, a lot of these books are books that adults would enjoy. And an adult would like this too. But really, this is a book you could give to your 13 or 14-year-old, and they would love it. That's awesome. So, and we also have a fantasy coming out from another, um, Carrie Winfrey is actually an Ohio writer. That's right. So we're going to talk about a few Ohio writers. Edith Patu, um, she is an Ohio writer as well. She's here in central Ohio. Um, she actually wrote an incredibly popular book, I think it was about a decade ago, East, and mm -hmm. it's a fantasy. Uh, the long-awaited sequel, West, is coming out in October, and I think all of us are waiting with yeah, bated breath. Yeah, this is exciting. Yeah, so it'll follow uh, Rose, who's the heroine of the first book, and a lot of new characters, a lot of old characters. It's going to be wonderful. So I'm very excited about West coming out. Mm -hmm. um, my daughter's excited, too, because she fell in love with East, so that's kind of yeah, a fun that's, one that's coming. This is like high fantasy. Yes. Um, you know, just a whole other world. Um, I think it's like a Norwegian myth. It is. is it's based on a Norwegian yeah. myth. Like uh, east of the sun, east west of the sun, of the, the west. We're probably getting this yeah. wrong. That's possible. There's it's a Norwegian good, myth. Yeah. Check it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so um, two other Ohio writers, um, uh, Minnie McGinnis uh, has a new book out called Heroin, which I haven't read yet, but it's like right on my uh, to be read list. And it's about a, a popular athlete who gets addicted to opioids, which is, you know, a subject we know, especially in Ohio. This is a big problem um and it's you know leaking into teen lives and like either with parents suffering or or people they know or themselves um and then peripherally natalie who's natalie. who's right here her new book what you hide has um an element of this too this book is set at the library 
And as her critique partner, I was able to read it many times. And I love this book. Every time I read it, it's very creepy like and thriller like most of her books. But there's a psychological component. And there's a, there's kind of a, there's a heartbreaking core. But it's two teens. Um, one is a girl who's homeless and basically living at the library because it's a safe space for her. And then there's a boy who is... Um, He's kind of dealing with his own problems. He's gotten in trouble, and his community service is to work at the library. And so they meet there, and you know, while they're kind of dealing with their things and learning about each other, a dead body shows up at the library. So there, it's it's very compelling, um, like all of her books. But I will say this, without a doubt, is her best one. So I'm so excited about it coming out in December. So I did other, not pay her to say yeah, that. <laughs> no, I, she doesn't have to pay me. I love From it. From the heart. Yeah. So, and I keep, I stumble over the title just because I didn't know what the title is. I keep calling it the library book. That's what it All is right, in my right. head. But it's, it's what, what you hide. You hide. I'm what sorry. you hide. Yes, what, what you, you hide. And it's fun. We were, uh, Mindy and I were actually featured on a school library journal blog for these two books, which was kind of exciting um, because I do a lot of events with Mindy, so it's fun to be able to share a moment together like, hey, we're on this blog together. It wasn't planned at all. We just both ended up on it, um, and it does deal with uh, just kind of the opioid epidemic, the problems that we're having in Ohio, um, and its effect in literature, in teen literature. One of the things that it talks about is how literature is often a little behind. So sometimes an issue will come up and you'll think, where are all the books about this? Mm -hmm. Well, they're coming. They're probably 12 months out because it just takes a little bit of time to get them out. So. Right, right. Well, I think we're running a bit short of time, but thank you for putting that amazing list together of books to check out. And for our listeners, um, be sure to check out Jody Casella and Natalie Richards' work, um, which you can get, you can certainly purchase and support your authors or get at the library as well because we all love libraries mm -hmm. <laughs> um so yeah thank you jody and natalie for coming on the podcast thanks and for having us thanks jeff yeah yeah thanks for listening that's all the time we have for today's podcast i'm your host jeff blazer and have a good evening <laughs>